Hi to my listeners. I just wanted to leave a quick message to let you know that I'm currently working on my website, playteachtalk.com, and I'm hoping to have it up and going in the first months of 2022, but it is not yet ready. If you've been enjoying what you are learning through the podcast, I will have more learning opportunities available in a longer form in the near future. In the meantime, if you have a question about early language learning, please email me at playteachtalk at gmail.com. I'm hoping to have a longer Q&A episode available soon. You're listening to the Play, Teach, Talk podcast. I'm Tiffany Thompson, a speech pathologist with over 20 years of expertise in working with children under three years of age and their families to help them understand language and communicate better. My specialty is in working with emerging communicators with few or no true words to reduce their frustration, help them interact and play with their peers and family, and to learn to truly enjoy the back and forth of functional communication throughout their daily routines. This podcast is not intended to diagnose speech language disorders, but is more of a general set of suggestions for children who are experiencing delays in their language skills. For recommendations or therapy specific to your child's needs, consultation or evaluation with a licensed speech language pathologist in your city is highly suggested. This is episode 12 of the Play Teach Talk podcast why boring toys may be better for building language skills. I'm gonna start this podcast with a 2015 study that was published in the JAMA Pediatrics Journal. And it involved 26 pairs of parents and their children at age 10 to 16 months. And what they did in this study was they gave the parents three sets of toys. They gave them a set of electronic toys. So like a pretend laptop, a pretend phone, things with lights and whistles a set of traditional toys like word puzzles, blocks, shape storers, things like that. And they gave them a set of five books. And then what they did was they put cameras and microphones in these homes of these parents, and they just recorded how the parents and the children were interacting while they were playing with these toys. The result of this study showed that they noticed that there was a lower quality and quantity of language between the parents and the children when they were playing with the electronic toys. In general, the parents spoke less. They had fewer exchanges of communication between the parent and the child. The parent responded to the child's attempts to communicate with them less often. And then the babies that they did this study with were less vocal. And when they had words, they used less words when they were interacting with the electronic toys. They found it was about in the middle when the kids used the traditional toys and that the most verbal interactions happened between the parents and the children when they were reading board books, not not ones that had any sort of recordings or lights or anything like that, but just when they were interacting with regular books. So does that mean that anything that has toys, uh, that any toys that have lights or, or sound or music or anything like that in them are bad for kids? Maybe not. It's good for a little bit of downtime. But when you're picking an electronic toy, especially if you have a child that you think might have a language delay, you do want to think about whether those toys are doing the talking for the parent or the child. So are you seeing that a child who is pushing the buttons on an electronic toy is doing a lot less talking because they don't have to? They can entertain themselves by hearing these this music and these sounds over and over again. 
Uh, and when you are talking with someone, there are more communicative exchanges. You say something and then they say something. But when you're playing with a toy that's playing sounds constantly, it doesn't actually give the child or the parent a chance to jump in, which is why I'm probably guessing that these parents interacted with each other less too, because it just doesn't make sense to talk over a loud recording. And most of these toys play their music and sounds at a very loud volume. So um, that that's one reason why these electronic toys really kind of take the place of the verbal language that, that we might use instead. Another thing I've found uh, during working with kids is that a lot of times the toys have these special effects and buttons and flashing lights that don't actually have anything to do with the purpose of the toy. So there's a really popular electronic book out right now that um, has options in English and Spanish, which I think is awesome for the kids that we have. Um, but uh, part of the problem is that the light is a little star on the side of the book that flashes and the child will end up getting more interested in looking at the flashing star than actually looking at the pages on in the book or the pictures. So I've noticed for this particular toy, if I have a child that doesn't like to look at regular books, they do play with the toy that has the, the flashing light and the star that happens to be a book, but they don't play with that toy in the way you would interact with a book by turning the pages and looking at the pictures. So the, the flashing lights, the music don't actually help the child to interact with the toy in the way it's intended. Also seen this with other things that are supposed to be pretend play sets. So pretend play is actually not a, a lower level play skill. Pretend play is a more complicated skill that we start to learn slowly over time. And it really does take building play skills to get to the point where kids know how to do something complex like pretend to cook food in a toy kitchen. That's something that they do after they've learned how to pat a doll or to pretend to feed a doll. Those are your first pretend play schemes that you find. So if a child has a toy kitchen that has a lot of lights and sounds and they're constantly over there pushing the buttons or making the mi microwave go because it makes a good whirring sound, but you're not seeing them doing any pretend play with that where they're pretending to take things out of the refrigerator and pour glasses of things or cook things on the stove, but they're pushing the buttons to make it go, what I'm inclined to believe is that child might not be ready for that level of pretend play at this point, but they're really just enjoying the whole idea of getting the reward of those lights and the sounds when they push the buttons. And that's a much simpler skill. That's more of a, a we call that cause and effect. Basically, when I do something, something happens. And that's kind of more in the beginning play that we call exploratory play for very, very young children where they bang toys together, throw toys, scatter them with their hands, things like that. And so cause and effect really is where you want to spring off of. It's not something you want a, a child to be constantly in that stage of play because it is a more basic level of play than getting to even a pretend play like pretending to feed a stuffed animal or a doll. So what can we do about these toys, these electronic toys, if your child really, really likes those and doesn't seem interested in, in ones that don't have those lights and sound? I would set aside times throughout the day where your child does get to interact with toys that have lights and, and sound. But I would try to encourage 
having that child interact with toys in which you or the child have to make the sounds. The reason for that too is if you don't feel like your child is spending a whole lot of time listening to human voices, if they seem to get upset, if you sing a song rather than hearing it on a TV, or if they don't seem to come to you or make requests of you very often while making eye contact with you, it may be that they don't have a preference for voices at this point. And I would love to see if you reduced the amount of time that they played with toys that had lights and sounds, could you get them used to listening to adult voices and actually liking adult voices if they've had a little break from the sing-song nature of these toys? Wait for your batteries to run out on electronic toys or take them out and see if you can get the child to play with a toy in the way it's meant to be played. Same with like that book that has the light and that the children typically just push the buttons on that. We want to see if they will get into the habit of trying to turn the pages and actually looking at the pictures on the page. And also, you, you don't have to stop in interacting with those toys. It's just a thought of making sure the child gets exposed to a variety of different toys, some of which they have to learn to fill in the blank with their own voice. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would help me greatly if you would subscribe or leave a five-star review. For additional content, including YouTube videos, articles, handouts, and help catered specifically to your child's needs, please visit playteachtalk.com.